0: Welcome to the Legislate Podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building, and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome James, co-founder of BoxDocs on the show. BoxDocs are developing sustainable logistics and containerization shipping solutions in response to an ever-growing consumer base. BoxDocs are on a mission to create a truly environmentally conscious logistics sector. James, thank you for making the time. Would you like to share a bit of background about yourself and BoxDocs?
1: Yeah, amazing though. No, thanks Charles for having us on. So yeah, my name is James Della Valley. Valle. I'm one of the three co-founders of Box Stocks, Um and we're a startup based in London and we are on a mission to create sustainable logistics solutions to make an impact on fuel uh, consumption in the B2C and B2B hauling
0: market and to
1: address the sort of overconsumption of plastic in shipping products.
0: So you say overconsumption of plastics, would you like to share a bit of background about what that means to the average listener?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I guess a bit of background about us and how we came into the market was the tote box stands as the international sort of standard for warehouse logistics operations. It comes in two predominant sizes, full size, and it's used predominantly in, in internal logistics warehouses to ship products to vans and to storage facilities. And it's also used in the back of vans to ship goods from warehouses to, to suppliers and wholesalers. And we got into the business by saying, why are there two products, one full size, one half size, when we can just make one product that folds from full size to half size and allows our clients to dynamically ship and adapt their shipping solutions on the fly, on demand and collapse their package contents and their containerized solutions to the contents of their boxes with the ability to allow them to ship more. And obviously my personal background is in sort of architecture and engineering. And we took a very sort of first principle approach to redesigning and coming up with our alternate solution as a, as a, what we realized was that actually a lot of these products, these plastic boxes are over-engineered. They're over-engineered for their life expectancy. They predominantly use virgin plastics in their manufacturing. They're very heavy. They use multiple parts and multiple components. And what we wanted to do was to come along and, and to change in some of our leading solutions we've, we've reduced up to 200 grams of plastic content we're using a uh, fully environmentally friendly source plastics in the uk so we're using uh, elv plastics which stands for end-of-life vehicle plastic so it's all the kind of the black plastic you'll find around cars it gets mulched down cleaned up re-injection molded back into our products and we have the ability to reduce our carbon footprint by up to 80 percent per product so the very first principle approach and what we were finding was in the in the logistics sort of sector was there's been a huge shift in the last couple of years and A lot of um, sort of R and D investment development are going into sort of very advanced software sort solutions and AI driven sorting algorithms to make the, the the operation as efficient as possible. And coupled with that, there's a huge sort of tranche of investment that's going towards e solutions, whether it's charging, parking and and the development of, of vehicles, you've seen that with the likes of Tesla and and Arrival, but actually a lot of the more mundane products at the kind of the bottom of the, the food chain actually haven't been reinvented since the sort of the advent of injection molding. And where we came to this was saying actually plastic containerized solutions are always going to be needed regardless of how advanced your ai sorting algorithm is and actually if we take a first principle approach to how these products work and are adapted we can make quite a large dent in the market in both carbon offset and carbon footprint as well as cost and the the ability to reduce our operational costs for our clients
0: that's really interesting and i agree that there's there's the markets always go for the hype, but actually, it's simple and, and first principles is often what you need to get started and have maximum impact um, from day one. So yeah. Congratulations on uh, on leading the way. Fingers crossed. seems like you've been, you've really achieved quite a lot. What's been your favorite moment so far? Oh, favorite moment so far. I guess as a team,
1: as a startup, right, you're constantly looking for validation. You're constantly going out and speaking to people and making sure that you're not barking up the wrong tree. I guess for us, for me personally, it was when we first went to to meet our manufacturers in person. That was a bit of a, a giveaway that we were onto something. We could actually manufacture something to scale. We could manufacture something at a cost competitive price point. We were launching a product, so we're hoping to launch our product to market by the end of the year, which is competitive to our club, even though the price of plastics has gone through the roof. And we realised when we went to meet our manufacturers that actually we're, we were onto something and that this could be manu- you know, this could be made in the UK and actually what we wanted to do was achievable. But I guess there's a number of things along the way that's been really enjoyable. Receiving the first prototype and then the further iterations of prototype, winning the tech round, the top 100 UK prize was again another sort of tick in the box of validation that actually we were doing something correct. So there's not, I don't think there's been one particular standout moment for me personally. As a team, it's just keep keeping up the momentum, keeping up the pace and actually working hard, you start to see some pretty good benefits along the way that keep you going.
0: Absolutely. And especially in a startup, those wins are really important to, to keep. Yeah,
1: going. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what do you wish you had known before starting BoxDocs?
1: Oh, I guess it would probably be a bit more of like the legal kind of framework to starting businesses to understanding how they're structured and set up, we are very lucky at BoxDocs that one of my co-founders, Ali, his background is in corporate law. So he's been great to navigate that kind of environment and to really figure out what's the best solution for us and how we can fit and set, set things up to, for our advantage and hopefully for our clients to take advantage of as well. I guess from my standpoint, obviously I, I mainly stick towards the manufacturing product sort of development and, and outreach of the, of the business. And so I guess it would have been a, probably a bit more understanding about how as a company we could organize and sell ourselves, which was something in which isn't my bread and butter trade. And, and you know, But at the same time, I guess with any startup and anyone in a startup, you understand that the majority of things you actually don't know. And through that process, you start to accumulate knowledge and, and, and push it further. Again, I don't think there's particularly one thing in general that I would say, I wish I would known this. However, more of a legal understanding to how businesses are set up, run and are structured would have been better at the beginning, probably just start to, to iron, iron creases out lo- along the road.
0: That's a, a very good point. And I was lucky to start the company with our chief legal officer who had that background of creating startups. And it's true that. You can, you know, use the bog standard model articles provided by companies house and bog standard, everything, this, that, and the standard is often a great, but it needs to be standard, but tailored to you. And especially if you're, you don't have that legal support, it's difficult to know what to you actually means because it can have implications for investment, for how you run a company, what you're allowed to do as a director. So yeah, great answer and something at Legislate that we do try to help through, you know, content, a blog, a podcast, but also it's one thing getting the, the foundational documents ready and filed it's next getting those essential contracts, like employment contracts. And when you're hiring the first employees and, or even technical yeah. consultants Yeah. So now you've you know been at this make your manufacturers, you've got um, your MVP coming out, what's the, the vision for the next three, five years? Yeah, so the vision for
1: this three to five years, we've got a series of products we're working on. Obviously, given the kind of the way in which we manufacture and build these products, the process to actually acquire manufacture and build the tools required to, to actually manufacture our boxes. They take up to that sort of four to six months to manufacture and make. So from our standpoint, it, there's a constant refreshing of a, of a product pipeline of new ideas, new things that we want to work on, both reinventing what's already out there in the market and actually taking a, a different approach to those. But also actually thinking about the future of logistics, whether that's in um, B2C moped delivery or whether that's drone technology or whether that's smart Mm chipping devices for security purposes and reasons. So we've got a few products in the pipeline that we're working on, which will be coming out after the release of our first two kind of forerunning products, and then obviously what we want to do is then expand to the European market and global market. We started the mission, all three of us are in in England or in London right now, but obviously we started the box stocks thinking that this is going to be a UK company supporting the UK economy, job market and sector, um, and obviously taking a very environmentally conscious approach to how we design manufacture and develop our products and now it's okay how do we now roll that model out in europe how do we roll that model out in in north america and then hopefully into and to make the widest impact as possible because obviously our products are designed for immediate deployment and they're designed for the international standard so there's no real differential between the product in in china to say compared to paris and france it's now putting that in place with investors and guardians and, and, and people to help us to say, how do we, who are the right people to speak to, how do we roll and scale box stocks out across the country, across Europe, and then hopefully
0: across, across the planet. And, and I guess how do you scale in a sustainable way?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's finding it, it, it's obviously you know, our biggest carbon footprint is obviously to do with manufacturing. And obviously yeah. we're very open with everyone. We're still using plastics and we're looking for future plastics to to use. We're looking at hemp and bioplastics and biofuels uh to sort of manufacture our products from. And it's then finding who who are the right manufacturers for that, what's the scalability of those, what's the cost competitive price point of those products, and how do they compare to our current recycled plastic products you know where can they be manufactured in europe or north america and then also i guess it's our business model we're taking a very different approach to how we're selling and providing our our service to, to clients um both actually and sort of mainly set up around the end of life of plastics because obviously that's something which is, is lacking a lot of investment and, and not being addressed and so where we're coming from this is actually trying to set up a, a very unique business model which is allowing us to retain and actually upcycle those products once they've you know, broken, damaged, or lost. We can then re-inject those back into the market. So, it's trying to understand and navigate that kind of that scaling out across the across across Europe and other countries.
0: Good luck. So, as a entrepreneur, I imagine you interact with contracts on a daily basis. What are yeah. the most common ones that you've come across?
1: Yeah, the most things that we deal with at the moment, obviously from Ali's perspective as well, is IP trademark kind of protection over the products that we're working with. From a day-to-day standpoint, obviously when we first started out, we took an approach of, we wanted to find a series of prototyping and manufacturing partners and then just work with them. So during that period of time, a lot of it was only you know because, of course, of what, our, what our product is and what we're working on is confidential, it's patent pending. And so it was just providing comfort to us that actually the people that we're speaking to were, were bound into to what we're working on. So from our standpoint, it was mainly NDAs and then IP trademarks and protection is our predominant kind of legal paperwork and framework that we work with.
0: Perfect. And with that patent pending application, it, it was that filed in the UK, in the US. How did you kind
1: of? Yes, the UK. It? Yeah, yeah. So we actually we're part of the UCL Hatchery Incubator Program as well. Obviously, myself being a former UCL student, so because of that, we had a lot of support from their team and from their guardians on board, who've actually you know, sort of reached out and gave us time with legal specialists who understand the patent, you know, process, the documents you need to file what exactly you're trying to get a patent upon and how is that unique? And of course, from our standpoint as well, and referencing back to your earlier questions was how do you get something patent, patented and protected, but also allows you the flexibility to scale that product for multiple products, allowing that technology that makes us unique at BoxDocs to be used across multiple products. So that was a difficult kind of period of time of t- trying to figure out you know, the best approach and who to go with and how to file it and how to speed up the process and and where to spend the money and put the right sort of allocate the right funds to the right place. Yeah, UCL have been great at helping us with that process.
0: And I imagine with UCL support, it probably made the whole patent application process a bit more cost effective.
1: Yeah, it it just makes it a bit easier because they point you into the right places. They've got a great sort of community down there where people have obviously worked with multiple people and met different companies and worked with other legal firms. And so they pipe. Point you to the right place first because other people have also gone through that process so it just speeds speeds everything up
0: uh, that's great and um, Leslie, our, our chief legal officer who's a qualified sister she started a career as a um, patent attorney from, from day one she helped us through the patent application process and we received our patent last summer but, amazing uh, a, a US patent so which we're now scaling through patent treaties but yeah And it's software, so it's, it's a bit different than, than hardware, but yeah, 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 that's (laughs) patents. So great. With those contracts, you mentioned NDAs and IP protection contracts. Were there any objections or challenges or areas of friction that you had to overcome and how did you overcome them? Uh, yeah, there was a few with some of our designs
1: that we were working on. It was mainly just the images that we submitted weren't clear enough for the exact kind of process they wanted for the trademark. So there's a few little snags. However, the kind of the feedback you receive from those changes are, is pretty clear. So it was implementing a quick change and then resubmitting them. Again, like I said, it's great because obviously with one of my co-founders being a corporate solicitor by trade, it makes life a million times easier. Because you've got someone who already understands the landscape and can point you in, guide you into the right direction about what to change and how to, which has massively helped. But yeah, there were a few sort of snags and tweaks in the way that we had to change and make. So, yeah.
0: That's, that's really great to, uh, to have that type of co-founder in your team. I'm conscious James that I've already taken a lot of your time. It's not a problem. So (laughs) I'm going to ask you the closing question we ask all our guests. So if you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? I guess from my
1: standpoint, it's just about being as clear and as punctual and getting to the point as easily as possible, explaining exactly what I'm signing up towards and what what exactly the contract is binding me to. So I guess it would just be clarity and punctuality in what you're trying to say. Yeah. That would probably be, I guess it also depends on the contract because of course, if it's, it depends on how you're being bound to it. If, it, if it's something you need to kind of deliberate on for longer then, but yeah, I guess from my standpoint, it'd be a, a clear layout of exactly what I'm signing up towards and clarity is, is key.
0: Yeah, that's a, a great answer. And I think when it comes to knowing what you're signing up to, I think it, it's really important, especially if you you know, aren't fortunate enough to have a co-founder or a mentor who's got that background in law and I think legislative that's the gap that we're trying to bridge both in terms of how we uh, word contracts, we, we write them in planning, we try to offer inline explanations for clauses, which need to be worded a certain way so that people understand you know what they mean, why they're there. And then finally, we try to offer different views of the contracts, both as a set of questions and answers, but also as a breakdown of, you know, obligations and restrictions of each side to really help we call them the unlawyered our community basically to navigate those contracts so yeah thank you very much james for being on the show no, um, no problem thank best, you best of luck conquering the uk and europe <laughs> and and hopefully uh, we can have you on the show again at some point
1: amazing thank you very much charles for your time and uh, yeah i look forward to seeing how it goes
0: great thank you Bye bye There we go.